0: Debra, how are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm awesome, take two, love modern technology, your best friend or worst nightmare. Anyways, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today, so thank you for joining us. Thank you. No worries, I am so intrigued by what you do. You are such a big part of the solution for women, for corporations, and for so many industries all wrapped into one I cannot wait to hear your story so for those of you watching who don't know who Deborah is Deborah, can you explain a little bit about the amazing work you're doing right now well, how do I sum it up in, in 10 words or less? Um, Nine okay.
1: words. Take as long as you need to. Okay. Um, I would say I'm a corporate governance champion. I'm a community builder, and I'm an agent of change. And how do I apply that, and how do I bring it to the work that I'm doing for my social pu- uh, purpose company that I founded, Women Get On Board? I founded it in 2015 with the mission to get more women on boards. That is straight forward with sort of this i like to think of the power of three one woman on a board is token two women on a board is presence and three women on a board is a voice Ooh, love that power of three and i think about it when i show up every day why am i doing the work that i'm doing is because i fundamentally believe that having more women on boards it makes business sense. And there's data and research that says more women on boards, better decision-making, more innovative decisions, more ethical decisions. So the data is out there. Mm. And if you take the latest research that just came out from Osler's from 2023 to talk about diversity on public companies, it is just under 30% for all TSX listed companies, publicly listed companies in Canada. That's up from, you know, 12% when they started tracking it in 2015. But it's still a far way to get to gender parity, which is meaning 50% of of boards have women on the boards. Some companies have that. A lot of companies are still working to get to one or two women on boards. And so, um, you know, so I'm passionate about it because I believe women in their leadership roles can bring diversity and bring different skill sets. I call them your power skills. You've got your technical skills, but women, we know we collaborate more women. We know that we have huge empathy and awareness. So our EQ level is up there. And that's those are really important skills to bring to a board.
0: They sure are. I mean, you touched on so many different things. I was going to start jotting questions down, but I have so many questions for you. Um, But, you know, the, the big thing that you just brought to the forefront, I mean, being for myself, being the first female in North America in our industry of owning a private investigation security agency, I didn't even know that till years into the industry because I just did what I loved and loved what I did. But I feel that for my industry and all industries, regardless of gender, every human being brings something different. So to focus on gender, yes, there has to be some kind of equality for sure. But the really important thing that you brought up was and something I'm extremely passionate about is that we all, as women, we bring something different to the table. And I want to just bring a a conversation up to you that I had just before you and I started this podcast. And uh, a friend of mine, a, a work colleague, you know, said, oh, I went to see the Barbie movie and." You know, I was kind of, you know, I'm kind of sick of uh, people sort of trashing men. And I'm just listening to this. I said, but was it really about that or was it about lifting women? So, and I said, you know, this is what, and then we got into this whole big conversation. But that's what I found so interesting is I viewed the movie. I mean, I cried, yes, in the middle of the movie when it was all about, you know, you know, we can be, we have to be smart, but not too smart. You know, that whole um conversation that they were having, I found it just very, it touched me in in very in various ways, but so that you know, men sort of view it as this way, or humans view it as this way, we view things as this way, don't we both, like all genders, bring something to the
1: table? And that's diversity of thought, it really is. And I think, you know, you, you speak to something really uh, pivotal for me as well is, you know i grew up i'm a i'm a cpa i started articling when i was 19 years old so we won't do the math and tell you how many years ago that was but i it was all male partners and they would you know i'd show up and they'd say well when the boss comes i'm like i'm i am the senior on the job can you get us a coffee no can you get me a coffee you know it was one of those things but i never came in and said oh i'm a woman i have to be treated differently I just knew I was a professional and I wanted to be in business. So that was kind of where so I was. You just
0: showed up and you did your rock star self.
1: Love. Yeah. Likewise to you. Like you didn't go in and go, hey, I'm a woman. I need to be treated differently, which I'm really glad you brought up the Barbie movie because I did a blog this summer on um, related. It was about innovation. And something came up and I was being interviewed and they said to me, well, what was, you know, can you go back to a young age when you were young and, what made you innovative? And and I said, well, you know, it was kind of, and it brought the Barbie movie in because it was a highlight for all of us in the summer. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way about how, like to me, it was a statement and it was this kind of matriarch versus patriarch. And really when one rules over the other, you get chaos. But when you're united and you can come together, it it really speaks to the world and the way the world should be, right? Because it kind of flipped in the movie. But what I would say to you is one of the things I said is, well, you know, it's like Barbie. She was fearless in that movie. She just kind of said uncategorically, you know, this is what girls do, this is how we do it. And oh, you're my boyfriend, but do boyfriends stay over? I don't know about that, right? It was kind of like the she was she really kind of was fearless. And I said, Yeah, when I was younger, I was fearless. Um, I had I played with Barbies and I said, My opa, my my dad came from Holland and I have my 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 dad is an immigrant first generation and my mom's a first generation immigrant from Scotland and so they came to Canada for a world of opportunity and their kids being first generation myself Same. my brother and sister were very much in this world be whoever you want to be if you want to play with barbies you're that's great but i never got defined by you're going to do this and you're going to do that and so my dad was a businessman and all I ever wanted to be was a businessman just like him. And when I said it that, to, me when cry. I say I that to people, that. they go, but you're not a man. I go, I know, but my role, like all I ever wanted to do was to go into business. And so I never felt defined of being, you know, you're a girl and you should only do this or you're that and you can only do that. I felt like to me, those doors were open.
0: And you know that it goes kudos to your OPA and my dad too was the same you know was always in business and it was for me thank goodness and parents who are out there listening that want to have your children uh, live your dream remember it's their dream to have and so when i would go and you know even i tell the story so many times but when i was in high school they would segregate the girls into uh, home ec oh yeah and, oh and yeah and, cu- and the boys got to go to auto and I'm like I want to twist a wrench and I would go down to the office three weeks and he'd be like go back to home Mac. you need to de-. and I'm like but I already know how to cook and so like I'm not interested in that to me independence is knowing how to change your tire how to you know change your oil how to do all finally after three weeks I just said just tell me why I can't like go into auto and he's like because you're a girl and girls don't do that and i was like be still my beating heart it was the first kind of sign that i had because my parents always said same as you they came here in 56 from hungary and they were like you can do anything you want let nothing stop you that was the messaging i think both of us always got thank god and kudos to our our folks and so i feel like with you and i and we talked a little bit about this before i think maybe because it's been sort of taught to us from a very young age to lift, to elevate. And now we see the world in this way that we want to lift everybody else up. Do you feel that now, and I don't want to know about your younger self, although you're very interesting, but do you feel that that's sort of where it maybe started was that your folks told you you could be whatever you want, Deborah. And then now you you see all the inconsistencies and you're just, trying to be part of the solution what do you think I couldn't agree and I think you go through life
1: there's a saying um, there's sort of three chapters in your life and I'm going to come fast forward on it but the first chapter is um, doing like um, preparing for your life's work so going to university getting your schooling preparing for whatever you're going to be your second chapter is doing your life's work so being a private investigator, being a CFO, being a board member, being a venture catalyst, whatever that might be. And then your third chapter is really about giving back to your life's work. And I feel like my third chapter is about giving back to the world that gave to me. And so that ability to lift and come from a place of abundance, because it is, I feel like it's my calling and it's my purpose in life to help elevate others. And it really is that third chapter for me.
0: I That is so profound. And you know, I, I wish we could bottle what you just said because if people lived their life that way, I think the world would be very, very different if we had more Debras in the world. But also like how you said that you're sort of honoring what you have sort of work towards for the first, you know, stages. And then you continue because a lot of people like you say, they're in that sort of rebuilding at any age, any stage, but they're living what they're really passionate about. You know, when I think back of, you know, people are asking me, why did you get into private investigation? Well, there was a need. There was, you know, a bunch of former police officers and detectives, they wanted to open up an agency. So I lent a hand, I still was doing my own thing but then I was helping other people. It was all about, and so starting to write my book, I realized, like you said, you kind of, hindsight is great because you have to start from the beginning, and you realize that that's sort of where your path has always been leading you. But it takes takes sort of, I feel, like self-reflection. It takes confidence to be able to look back. When did that come for you? You kind of talk about 2015. Was there anything pivotal that had happened in and around that era when you opened up um, your business and became a founder?
1: Um, I think it started earlier for me even. Um, If I reflect back, I was CFO of a technology company. That was, I was there from the very beginning. So we took it from ground zero to a very successful exit in the late 90s. And from that moment forward, I had choices to make. And, and I really got that opportunity to say, not be defined by a role in any way. I became a venture capitalist, a venture catalyst, an independent director. I was always reinventing myself because I wasn't defined by a role. So for me, and then I got, started getting involved in community, um, you know, giving back to community. And, and it, one thing kind of continued, it was always a journey. And so for me, I think that last two decades has been about giving back for me and really adding value and being in a place of making decisions of where I want to put my time or where I don't want to put my time. Mm -hmm. And so 2015 was pivotal in the sense of I was getting asked by a lot of my peers, how did I get on board? You know, I was talking about it and I finally just decided I'm gonna create a company, I'm gonna call it Women Get On Board. And the mission is to connect, promote and empower women to corporate boards. So it wasn't just 2015. I woke up and thought, oh, I want to give back. I of think it was, it was one of those things that was continuing. And I just kind of always like kind of like you people like it, the door opens. And then I think as an entrepreneur, you're like, well, how can I make this better? If I go through this door, how can I make it better for others? So that was that was really my. And yes, people are doing it and they're doing it in different ways, but when you're an entrepreneur, you just want to get—excuse the expression—you just want to get shit done. So uh-huh. move out of the way.
0: You don't have to. Let me do your it. Expression. Love it. And you know, you say a, a few really interesting things, and you know, I love the the wisdom and the experience that you have because you said a few things. Number one, about the journey, and I think I had mentioned in my last podcast clearly I have a few tattoos, and that's going to be one of my next tattoos. Is life's a journey, not a destination? It's not about okay. Well, I've arrived. You know, this is it. It's a journey. It's about evolution. It's constantly. You know, you talk about reinventing yourself as an entrepreneur. That is one of the highest skills I feel that somebody, as a woman or a man, regardless of how anybody identifies and gender, uh, that can have. So the fact that you're saying, you know, I'm reinventing myself. But the other really interesting thing that you said was about while the doors are opening i also believe i'm very spiritual and i believe that the universe works in very different mysterious ways even how you and i connected through our wonderful rosemary but you know i bet you it even started well before like you said 2015 because When you said, I kept talking about it and people kept asking me, it's almost like people are tapping you on the shoulder going, Deborah, over here, over here. You're not listening over here. And then you're like, okay, I'm doing this because this is what I'm really good at doing. And you just encompass this. To me, it's such a unique way that you're doing things because like I said, you're not just hitting, let's say the marketing industry, you're encompassing all industries, which is massive.
1: Yeah, and I think you kind of, You go and you go, there's a gap there. Like you said, I love that. Tapping on the shoulder and it wasn't like the first tap and it wasn't the second tap. In fact, I had slides. I had slides, I was doing presentations for women at women in leadership conference, and my slides were called Women Get on Board. Because I was already in my mind getting on boards. I was like, I have a higher purpose. I wanna bring more women on boards. But I will tell you, there were women generation above me that said to me when I founded Women Get on Board, I don't I don't know why you're doing that why don't you just focus on your own corporate board uh, career and I said you know what it's my calling it might not have been your calling it's
0: my calling I love that and the fact you know my book that I have coming out it's called rockstar confidence having confidence a lot of people will look at it that it's you know maybe being full of yourself or knowing the exact thing confidence really it just very simply is believing in yourself and it sounds like you've always had that confidence in yourself of course you sometimes get like as an entrepreneur you might think should i have zigged instead of zagged should i have done this should i have gone left instead of right fair enough but to me what you are portraying right now is the secret and your superpower that you've always had the confidence in yourself knowing whatever i do regardless i'm going to do it 150 percent and i'm going to be okay would you say confidence is something that has really helped you and led you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, and i give you one story as a young child, and I really do Tell have me. to bring it back. So Please. I have an, an older brother, two years older than me. He, he didn't want to go to kindergarten, and I told my mom I would go for him instead. So I think it wasn't... Oh, come it, on. Seriously, yeah. Um, I love that. So, but I think it wasn't confidence that... Uh, It was ego-driven confidence. It was confidence in knowing that you are going to fall down sometimes. Surround yourself with great people. They'll help you move to the next level. Confidence with humility to know that sometimes you'll be vulnerable. Sometimes you'll fall down. Like you say, you're taking on a book. You've got this podcast you're doing Mm -hmm. like the confidence to know that you will get there one way or the other um and
0: determination will get you there um and an old school work ethic i'm not saying that you just you know blindly say i'm confident right but you said something you're like it's not an ego type of confidence i and that's the thing i think it's what we put that the words and the feelings towards um a certain thing which is confidence a lot of people think oh they're so full of themselves it's not about that it's about a belief system within yourself that you don't even need to share with anybody. That's what I've seen in you since even we communicated. You've always had this confidence about you, which is just, I absolutely love it. So did you, I would just need to know, did you go to kindergarten for your brother? I wish I
1: could have, cause I didn't want to stay home with my younger <laughs> sister and my mom, but I let my brother go.
0: <laughs> that is so funny though, really. But now do you feel though, so a lot of what I, I've been you know, sort of experiencing in the last several years, especially this last week, I think I attended, I don't know, five or six, maybe even seven events. But it is a lot about these incredible women, founders, it doesn't matter who they are, lifting other women. And that's essentially what you're doing and what I'm doing. And how beautiful is that? And the friendship and the networking that is being created why do you feel that is sort of the essence of success and a big part of women and why we I don't want to say need it but crave it and thrive from it why why would you think that to be true or do you think that to be true I think if you
1: kind of know you look at sort of historically there's the boys network right and you know you've had to break into it I've had to break into it So I think as women, we really want to make sure that women have the network and have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, And so opening those doors that may not and giving those other women the courage and confidence to empower them in those roles. Um, And so I like to think of it, and you and I were chatting a bit earlier is, you know, you have to give before you got, and I like to think, and then for individuals like you and I, like we giving is in our nature. And it's hard to accept so I have a saying
0: is give generously but receive graciously oh that's a good one I think that's a t-shirt the women I interview honestly I think I'm in the wrong business because I should do a line of t-shirts with all these rock star sayings I love that and you're right why okay so I have a a theory and I want to know what yours is I feel that and we were brought up, it sounds like, by sort of similar, maybe uh, folks and you know wonderful souls, and they supported and loved us. But I feel like as women, we are most, and I'll say, okay, most women um, are, and I'll talk mostly for myself, is that I just love to give, but take like receiving, and it shouldn't be that way. You and I talked about this. And I'm getting better at it you know even like we talked about the awards that you've won you know awards that I've won and it is very very difficult but it's so easy to lift others why do you think that is it's a get, uh, because I feel like
1: again we, we very much want to lift others so sometimes you know there's I always like to think of it because I just flew back from San Francisco right mm-hmm. so you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you assist your companion or your kids or whoever you're traveling with and i think as women we have to learn more to put our own oxygen mask on to take care of ourselves first before we can take care of others and i think that you can get to a place of giving back and moving forward you've gotta you do have to give your oxygen first so whether it's you know, your health comes first, your sleeping, your diet, you know, what you do for your self-care. Because if you don't have that, it's really hard to give to others. So I do think you have to, you talk about the universe. I, I used to teach yoga, so I took yoga teacher training. Oh, okay. okay, so
0: we're in the same realm. Okay, got you. Yeah,
1: and so what I think is, is that you do because otherwise you get to this sense of resentment. It's like, oh, I'm always giving and no one's returning. And I think if you're really whole with yourself and your purpose is bigger than yourself,
0: then you don't think of it, but you do have to take care of yourself first before you yes. give 100%. Now, I don't know, maybe, I look at it almost in two different categories because you talk about self-care, you know, it's the, the magazine and publication we have coming out, as you know, since you're a contributor, is all about self-care and is all about, you know, avoiding burnout. I love the mask analogy. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember somebody who I love and adore and respect dearly was always about putting the mask on first. And when she used that analogy, I remember traveling, I've got four boys. And I remember I was always annoyed by the stewardesses and they, they would always talk about, always put your mask on first. And I'd be like, seriously, like I'm not putting my mask on first. It is, you know, a whole do or die. I am putting, getting it all on my kids and da, da, da. And then she said, okay, well, now your kids all have masks and the plane is going down and you pass out. Now what? And I'm like, well, why would you say that? <laughs> right? And she was like, because that's what's going to happen you really do have to put your mask on first. So I love that analogy. And you know, it's taken me, you know, a few decades ago I learned that and it's been so life-changing because you're right, you get resentful and you get sort of pissed off at the fact that you give, 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 give. But if you feel okay here in your soul and in physically in your body because you've slept, it is such a game changer. And I wish I knew this 30 years ago, but, I mean, we're all here now and we're sort of saying the same thing. But let me ask you this, why, so that's I look at how I look at self-care, but why, so I know I complimented you many times prior to even getting on and you're like, oh, and, you know, you're very humble and I think we are both the same way. Why do we find it so hard, let's say, to receive the award or the nomination where, when we're kind of like, well, you know. We're great doing it with others. Why is that, Deborah? I'm just curious, and why you think it is. You might not have the answer because I still struggle with what I believe, but tell me what your thoughts are.
1: Well, I am humbled by it. And sometimes when you get the award, you're like, me? Are you sure that's for me? And are, are you sure you got the right person? And just recently, I, was a, I, have, I received this Ruth Onra uh, uh Legacy Award through the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. I saw that.
0: Congratulations.
1: But there's a story behind it because I'm like, okay, that's great. And they'll do you'll do a speech and I'm thinking it's like, you know, hello, thank you. I'd like to thank my parents. I'd like to and boom, you're off the stage. They're like, oh, and you'll give a ten minute acceptance speech. And I'm like, Okay. What? Um so I was like, Okay, I definitely want to move this to another level. But what I realized in the in the process of preparing my acceptance speech which was about advancing women and leadership and equality in the workplace and et cetera, et cetera, is I realized I wasn't accepting it for me. I was accepting it for the work that I was doing through Women Get On Board. And before I went up, someone said to me, oh, you must be nervous going up and doing your speech. And I said, no, I'm not nervous because I'm accepting it on behalf of the next generation. And I'm receiving this because I know I'm helping advance that next generation of women leaders. And so I was taking it out of me and putting it in a higher purpose. And so the only reason I share that was because it is humbling. But then I realized that I've been, I was nominated because of the work that I am doing to advance more women. And when I did my acceptance speech, it really resonated with me was like, I'm doing this for a higher purpose and it wasn't about
0: me. Okay, and fair. However, I'm going to keep coming back to you because this is how you know my podcast is different because people are not, in my opinion, people are not really buying into the logos and the businesses. They're buying into the founders. And that's why I want to get to know you a little bit more is that you, but, and you're right. That was a huge, to me, like exactly what you said, that it was about sort of the acknowledgement of your path and your passion was being acknowledged but what about also all the hard work you've done and everything like that like you said you accepted it on behalf of everybody and i know i did the exact same thing and it was pointed out to me hey you never like really made it personal and i'm like yeah i know because but even though but it our businesses are personal to us but it is about to me it's about the mission Right? Is that what how you feel too? Yeah. And and so what I would say to you is, we wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't have got. I wouldn't have been in a place to found women get on board had I not been on boards for 15 years, and then a previous 20 years as an executive. So hard work begets recognition, right? And I didn't go in and say, "Hey, I'm going to do this. I want to get these awards." So I take it more that hard. That was recognition for the work mm. you're doing and. I always say, Women Get On Board is my social purpose company. Like, I acknowledge it from that perspective and I acknowledge all the awards I've received as an individual for the work that I do. So I didn't, like. I I am fully humbled by it, but very proud of
0: it. Uh, And I love that. And that's, you know, I by no means want to put you on the spot, because this is sort of something I'm trying to figure out. I think you and I kind of touched on it as well. Uh, prior to starting the podcast, is that without somebody like you and you want, however you want to call yourself the leader, whatever, you know, people, the founder, but without your idea and without your guidance and without what you have done, none of that would be possible. And it's really your legacy. Right? And
1: this, this was a, after another woman, it was the first recipient, of a legacy award, so that kind of passing the torch for the work that you've done as an individual. So, I sort of keep things basic, like if I see somebody with the title that says they're a founder, I know they incubated it, right? And there's, if you've been around enough founders, which I have, you know the blood, sweat and tears and the sweat equity that goes into it. So rather than going, hey, as founder, these are all the things I needed to do to get there. the devil the the work is in the output and the final like what what your impact is versus hey I'm gonna tell you what it's like to be a founder.
0: Yes, and that is that is massive. So can I ask you during your journey as a founder? Uh you know our tagline is the struggle is part of the story. And as a founder, if you don't know that, I, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but anyways that like you said, I love the sweat equity uh, analogy as well. So what would you say was one, because I, I know there isn't only one, one of your biggest struggles and how did you sort of get through it, around it, over it, under it? Can you share something with us? Or still working through on it. Can I add that too? Continuous, yes, it, Continuous. it's a never ending
1: journey. Um, you know, I think there's an element of being so Passionate about your work you do, and you say, I really say, I found it on the back of a napkin, right? I went out to my relationship, said, Hey, here's what I'm doing. And then people are like, Oh, I'll sign up for that. I'll do sponsorship. And you're like, Oh my God, I actually now have to write agreements. Like there was this reality moment. So then putting in forms to scale it up, to put in processes, to build a team around you. And I think my biggest for me as I go forward is the scalability as me to be the voice, you know, um, and I think that always scaling up and pushing down to the team and elevating the team to take on new challenges so that I can take on new challenges. And I think that's always a a fine balance and I'm sure you must find that too in the work that you do. So I think it's continuous, um, but just being in the place and then being in a place where you're like, yeah, we're good, we got 850 members across Canada yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna take on a summit in vancouver we've done toronto no problem we'll get it on and meanwhile you know it's like that graceful swan swimming gracefully on top and paddling like hell down below
0: right yes oh again another perfect analogy of being a founder and so what sort of advice would you give let's say we have a founder or an entrepreneur that's listening to this podcast And they're at that crossroad of you know I can make six figures I'm throwing in the towel I don't need the headache I don't need the heartache I'm struggling financially emotionally every which way that we have all been there done that got the t-shirt do you have any words of wisdom well I think uh, I just came from
1: a three-day session down in Silicon Valley for female founders and I think what I, what I would say to that is, it's your conviction. If you lose conviction, no one's gonna to wanna to be behind you. So you, again, you, you might burn yourself out. So why are you burning yourself out? There's a book by uh, an author named Michael Gerber, it's called The E-Myth Revisited. And it's really for founders, it's for people starting companies. And they said, you know, you can use the example of, you start baking cookies and you start selling them, right? Just as an example, but eventually, you, the technician, the cookie maker, you can't expand because you've got to make get more cookie makers. Let's say. So, how do you scale? How do you grow? And if you know you burn yourself out, then you'll be no use to anybody, and you're going to be worn out. Nobody wants to come in, and invest in a person or get behind a person who's worn out. So, I think that conviction has to be forefront in everything you do, and you have to reassess your work and go, I can't continue to do that. So. There's, there's a saying in your business, you've got to spend time on your business versus in your business. And if you spend mm-hmm. too much time in your business, so for me, I'm an accountant. First started Women Get On Board, do you think I do my bookkeeping and accounting? That's all, that's context. So anything I can outsource and, and I can then focus on the core of what I do that makes it unique. So for founders, they try to be everything to everyone. And I think if you can focus on your core and outsource your context, it'll
0: allow you to grow and scale. You know what, and that is such amazing advice because so many founders and entrepreneurs, and it could be a cash flow issue, it could be wanting to micromanage the business. I mean, there's so many different reasons that people give me, because I say the same thing, uh, that will sort of stop them from, from growth. and. I feel that often we are what stands in the way of our success. And sometimes we just need to step out of the way. Like you said, you could easily do the accounting with your eyes closed, but you are saying, no, there are so many capable, competent other people that can help with that. Let me focus on the bigger mission. And that is amazing, amazing advice to anybody. I know you and I could talk, like I said, for hours and hours and hours. I only have five more minutes, so and hopefully, two get more. It. Yeah, two more super quick questions I want to ask you. What does it mean to you to be unbreakable?
1: Well, I love that you've termed that, and you're putting it out there to into women because I think those are the stories that you're telling. Um, unbreakable to me is not letting someone or something break me down, right? You know, they say, don't sweat over the small stuff. So, you know, you've you you've got to have thick skin to be unbreakable. And to me, there are going to be things that come at you every day, but you, you're going to pivot them, you're going to push them off. And there may be one thing that really could be breakable for you, but you've got to just, if you believe it in your heart of hearts, this is the right thing to do nothing is going to break you down. I really, I mean, your health is your most important aspect mm. that you have. So if you have your health and you, you're you very competent and have the conviction and the courage and confidence to lead you, um, I find it really hard to be unbreakable. Like I, I just take on challenges every day. I am not confrontational, but I feel like I am going to have my voice there if I don't believe in what you're doing or if I need to sell you hard because I don't think you've you know, really understand why you should be there. I'm going to sell you hard in the sense of, but I, you know, you, to be, yeah, you, you've always got to be out there. So to be unbreakable to me is just
0: not letting small things get in your way of doing the big things. Or the outside influences get in your way. And I hear the big answer for you too, or the sort of simpler answer is resilience. So I know you are in a hurry, and like I said, we could talk for hours and hours. I'm going to finish off with one last question. What is next for Deborah?
1: Wow. I think I've got a book in me, so you and I will take a sidebar on that one. Love um, that. I want to continue. It will be 10 years in 2025 since I founded Women Get On Board, so I have big plans on that 10th anniversary. I've um, got a couple other new initiatives kind of uh, – incubating starting okay um but really just continue to the mission people have asked me you know when do you think women get on board will have achieved i said until we get to gender parity on boards mm. that to me is that is success not that women get on board is the only per any company uh contributing it to it so until we get to that i'm going to keep fighting the fight i'm going to keep showing up and elevating and supporting other women um yeah i i I'm not going anywhere. I've got
0: my so you're going to continue after. doing the great things you're doing. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely love and adore you. Love your mission and your vision. Anybody who wants to contact you will obviously have it in the description. And you and I are going to be doing, I'm sure part two to part 22. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. And you and I shall chat very soon. And namaste. Namaste to you as well. Thank you. Thank you.